Someone outside the covenant, outside the land, is actually involved in obeying God better than people who are in covenant inside the land. Amazing. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for watching as we go through the Bible. We are in a short book of the Bible called Ruth. And she was an amazing Moabite woman. It was incredible. She actually became in the line of King David and she was in the line of Christ. All right, we'll talk about that in about five minutes time. We're gonna talk about Ruth chapter one, it'll be good. Corey, what's going on? I'm actually taking a look at the book of Ruth, some of the themes that we see in there and the authorship of it, all that good stuff. Ryan? Well, today I'm gonna to be jumping ahead a little bit to 1 Samuel chapters two and four, which record the tragic events surrounding the birth of a boy named Ichabod. All right, very good, look forward to that, Jan. God's grace. All right, let's open the Bible. Ruth 1, 1 through 17. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Kilian also died. So the women survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters, why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters." For it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, Look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. 
But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. You know, Ruth is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It is outstanding. Ruth chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, we read that today. It's really something. The time of the judges was a time of change. We're told multiple times that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We read about how evil was so prevalent that no one seems to have been able to worship God the way they were supposed to. Now, that is one of the reasons why the book of Ruth is so shocking. I mean, how could a non-Israeli woman display faithfulness and goodness and godliness when most Israelites themselves were not? Someone outside the Israelite covenant kept it better than those on the inside. These things should not be, but they were, and the Bible draws attention to them. This Gentile woman of no earthly means put shame to the unrighteous pious of Israel, and in so doing, she married into the tribe of Judah and became the foremother of King David, and eventually in the line of Christ. You know, God can and will use unexpected things to grab our attention and teach us meaningful lessons. He called faithful Ruth to be an example for Israel and for us. I tell you, when we get to heaven, and a lot of people talk about who they want to meet. There's a lot of people I want to meet, you know, Paul and all the rest of it. I want to find Ruth. I want to meet this woman. She was and is amazing. I'm telling you, it is an amazing story. So we're going to talk about Ruth chapter one. Turn your Bible guide. If you don't have a Bible guide, write to us, call us, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on it. But I'll tell you, this is really interesting. And Father, I pray today as we look at faithful to follow, and we begin to understand what Ruth did, and we begin to understand how she refused to fall, and she stayed strong with the covenant. Help us, Lord, too to do the same. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we said together, amen and amen. Now watch this. Now it came to pass, Ruth 1, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, and he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elamech, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilon. They were Ephrodites of Bethlehem and Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elamech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. Now they took wives of women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the other one was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. And then both Malon and Chilon also died. 
So the women survived her two sons and her husband. Now this is fascinating. After the death of their husbands, the three women were left to make decisions about their future. Beloved, we are left to make decisions on our own when we are out of the will of God. We are left to make decisions on our own when we're out of the will of God. When we are in the will of God, God shows us the decisions that we make and he shows us how to go forward. But I was told in high school, I have to decide, I have to decide. But God had already decided for me and I had to get with God and I had to listen to him. And we should too. All of us should do that. Very important. Ruth chapter one, verse six. And then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her and they went on the way and returned to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, no, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go for I'm too old to have a husband. And if I should say that I hope, I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight, should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hands of the Lord has gone out against me. This is fascinating. Naomi decided to return to Israel and advised her daughters-in-law to go back to their homes. Beloved, we must decide whether to give our future and or to give to give our future and trust to follow God or not. That's what we have to decide. Lord, what is my future? Who am I going to trust? Am I going to trust you or am I going to trust all my decisions? Am I going to trust you or am I going to trust what people say on social media? Very important. Do we trust God? Is that who we trust? It gets better. Let's go back to the scripture. Verse 14. Here's what it says. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Now this is interesting. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn my back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will you be buried, so will I. The Lord do so to me, and more so also, if anything but death parts you and me. 
What a covenant. Ruth decided to go with her mother-in-law, Naomi, no matter what. You see, beloved, when we come to Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we decide to follow him no matter what. No matter what. Doesn't matter. Kill me, do whatever you need to do. I'm following Jesus. I've made my decision. That's how we decide. And that's how we honor our covenant. We say, Holy Spirit, help me to keep my decision because we can't keep it on our own strength. But the Holy Spirit gives us the strength to do so. So, Father, I pray today that you would touch the people who are watching, that they would make that kind of commitment to follow you no matter what. Thank you, Lord, for the church is growing. People are coming to you and they're making that covenant. Help us, Lord, to also make the covenant in the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, Amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, uh, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Well, today, of course, we're reading through the Old Testament book of Ruth, which is just this really nice, I, I mean, I really appreciate its placement in the Old Testament because it's a really nice buffer between Judges, which is really sad, and 1 Kings, which is really sad. So it's a really nice buffer in between uh, of um, good things and righteous things coming from this time period of the Judges. So with all that being said, let's take a look at the book of Ruth, its themes, its authorship, all that good stuff. Take a look. The Book of Ruth is read in synagogues every festival of Shabbat. This feast is held according to the spring grain harvest, and it celebrates the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. There are a few explanations as to why Ruth might be read during this festival. First, Ruth met Boaz during the grain harvest. Second, there's a legend that King David died on Shabbat, and Ruth and Boaz are his great-grandparents. Third is that Ruth's loyalty to Naomi symbolizes Israel's loyalty to the law of God. The fourth line of reasoning sees an overarching theme of exile and return found in the Old Testament, celebrated at the feast, and in Ruth's story. The question of the authorship of Ruth is often settled by appealing to Jewish tradition that credits the prophet and judge Samuel. However, the book contains a genealogy that ends with the ever-important King David, so questions naturally arise as to why the book was written in the first place. No doubt the history of Israel is full of uplifting, enlightening, interesting stories, so why did Ruth's become scripture? Ruth's great-grandson was the most famous king of Israel, the king to whom God gave the promise of an everlasting throne. For these reasons, it's been suggested that a time later in David's or Solomon's reign after the death of Samuel may be a better candidate for the writing. 
The book pulls on many interesting themes. One of the most obvious is that of exile and return. Just as the Israelites themselves left Canaan due to famine, settled in Egypt where they met oppression, and then returned to the promised land, so too Naomi's family went to Moab, met disaster, returned to Israel, and was made whole. So strong is this theme that in Ruth chapter 1 the Hebrew word return is used 12 times. God's subtle providence also seems to be a theme. While the free will choices of Ruth and Boaz are apparent, so too is God's will quietly weaving together a redemptive tale. In the book, God is only given direct credit for two actions, ending the famine and helping Ruth conceive. But the reader is left with the strong impression that God has been working the whole time through seemingly accidental meetings. Another prominent theme is about what we would call strong moral character. In Hebrew, the word is loyal compassion. Ruth, as a foreigner, was unlikely to display godly, loyal compassion. This irony drives the point home that God rewards the humbly righteous. Ruth, as an immigrant, may itself play a part in the book's purpose. David and Solomon both employed foreign warriors and advisors, not to mention wives. It couldn't hurt public relations to showcase the righteous potential of foreigners. You know, it really does really typify what was going on in the time period of the judges, where God is able to use a Gentile woman to really shame those in Israel who weren't following him. Because a Gentile woman who was born outside of the covenant of Abraham was better able to follow God than people who were the children of Abraham. So this is really interesting themes running through the book of Ruth, which of course makes sense, especially given the standpoint of King David, when he's trying to secure the kingship, people might have been questioning you know, his ancestry. So tying in this story for him and his family makes a lot of sense in ancient Israel. I think it does. And the other thing that, that we need to remember is that the, the hardcore, you know, um, people who are ethnically, you know, we are of the God's people and all that will be reminded that Ruth was a Moabite. Yeah. And she's in the line, the great grandmother of King David. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way you can deny that. And God redeemed her because she made a decision to follow him. Yeah. And yeah, that's fascinating sure. to mm -hmm. me. So that's very good. Okay, Ryan. All right. Well, I know our assigned reading is the book of Ruth, but as I mentioned before, today I want to skip ahead a bit to 1 Samuel chapters 2 and 4, which record the sad circumstances regarding the birth of a baby boy whom his mother named Ichabod. Now, Ichabod means inglorious, which causes one to wonder why on earth she would give her son such a name. Well, it had to do with the events surrounding his birth. They were just that, inglorious. The Philistines captured the ark, and the high priest Eli, along with his sons, died. And to make matters even worse, the Lord cut off Eli's family line from the priesthood because of their disobedience. It was not a good situation. His mother called him Ichabod, a name meaning inglorious, which exactly describes the circumstances surrounding his birth. His grandfather, Eli, was God's high priest at that time, and Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served as priests under him. But unfortunately, Hophni and Phinehas were very wicked and godless men who didn't know the Lord. In fact, one author goes so far as to describe them as a shameful embarrassment. 
a perfectly justified indictment since they not only took prime-cut sacrificial meat intended only for God, but also had the audacity to sleep with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle. Obviously, these sins were very, very great in the eyes of the Lord because they were treating his offering with contempt. Regrettably, when Eli learns about the evil his sons are committing, he doesn't go to very great lengths to put an end to it, because, as the Bible explains, he honored his sons more than he did the Lord. But if Eli wasn't going to deal with it, then God certainly was, and his dealings would be much more severe. So severe, in fact, that God declared it would make the ears of everyone who heard about it tingle. Indeed, in a prophecy against Eli's household, the Lord verily assures him that in time, his descendants would be stripped of the honored and privileged priesthood. Not only that, but God also promised Eli that there would not be an old man among all of his future descendants, because they would all die in the prime of life. And the sign to him that all this would be fulfilled was the death of his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. While this transfer of the priesthood was fulfilled years later under the administration of King Solomon, who replaced Eli's descendant Abiathar with Zadok, as promised, the Lord gave Eli a sign in his own lifetime that this judgment would surely come to pass, and that sign was the death of Hophni and Phinehas. This occurred during a heated battle between Israel and the Philistines. After suffering an initial loss, the Israelites thought bringing the Ark of the Covenant along with the priests Hophni and Phinehas could help secure the victory. Instead, the Ark of God was captured and Hophni and Phinehas died. Although Eli had fully expected the news about his sons, when he heard that the Ark of God had been captured, he fell backward off his chair, broke his neck, and died, because he was very old and heavy. When this tragic news reached Eli's very pregnant daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, the shock sent her into life-ending labor. In her final moments, she named her newborn son Ichabod, saying the glory has departed from Israel. Truly tragic were the events surrounding the birth of Ichabod, who would grow up without father or mother, and was seemingly destined to die in the prime of his life. You know, I really feel for Ichabod. His family history certainly was that, inglorious. But as far as the man himself, we don't know really anything else about him, except that he had a brother named Ahitub, and the Bible tells us that in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 3. But there is a good lesson to be learned here. And that is that it doesn't matter what your family history is or even what your past is. We can choose to be different. And while we make the choice, it's God who makes the difference. And the first step is making him, Jesus, Lord of your life. And as the Apostle Paul promises us, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You know, it doesn't matter what your history is. God makes everything new. And what God promised to Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29, I believe he also extends to us. In that passage, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. No one other than Jesus Christ can give you that. And it's my sincere hope and prayer that you will come to him today and allow him to be your Lord and Savior. Remember, time is growing shorter and shorter and shorter, so don't wait. And don't wait. Jesus is close as the mention of his name, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. That's very, very important. And remember that Ichabod was named that by his mother, but at the same time, God tells us we all have names, that he names us. Mm, that's right. And so I don't know very what true. his name is in heaven, but it's going to be interesting. Hmm. So we'll find out. All right, Janice? God's grace. And then, Corey, I agree with you. This 
placement of the Book of Ruth is so lovely. It's just a nice cushion, isn't it? Though you know, after the Book of Judges, for your heart, for your heart, yes. <laughs> and and in the same way, however. We start to read about this woman Naomi, and、uh-huh. she has to leave the land where she is born, the land of her inheritance, and go into Moab with her husband, her two sons, and her husband dies. And then ten years later, her sons die and and leave their wives. Now the three of them are alone, and Naomi has this sense. I wonder if she really had underestimated the grace of God. As we often do when we go through such trials, when she went back to her land, when she went back to Bethlehem, and Ruth went with her, you know the story. They all said, "Is this Naomi that's coming back?" And she said, "Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me." Mara actually meant bitter. And you know, I just want to speak to somebody. Who's watching today? From wherever you're watching, you might feel like you've been left alone, that God has forgotten you, that He has dealt harshly with you. And I want to tell you that God knows exactly where you are, and He hasn't left you. And I want you to hold on, and I want you to understand that if you come to God in truthfulness, in honesty. God is with you, and He will help you to get through this time. And we have the advantage of seeing how this unfolding of Ruth's story went, and the grace and the provision that God has made. There are times when life seems very difficult, but hang on, press into God. He is with you, and He is for you. And when you follow Him, He's got you. He's got you. So don't become bitter. Hold on to God, praise Him in your words, praise Him in your thoughts, dwell in His word, and let Him dwell in your heart. His grace is sufficient, and He will see us through. He will. We're praying for you, and God is with you. Have peace in your heart, and know that you are loved. You know, Instagram is a great place where you can follow the videos that we make. We have a good time making those videos because we're talking about the Word of God. They're just short little videos. Make two a week, and we encourage you to go to Instagram and search Pastor Rod Hembry. Search Pastor Rod Hembry. It just—it's a lot of interesting things about the Book of Psalms and others. So, we'll be looking for you there. 
In the meantime, let's pray. Father, help us today to reinstate my covenant and help me to totally be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.